You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to A Pirate's Life for Me on the Sports Objective. Join us every Friday at noon as we catch up with a member of Pirate Nation. Here's your host, Bubba Rosenbaum. What is going on, Pirate Nation? Welcome into the debut episode of A Pirate's Life for Me here on the Sports Objective. NC State Week. Uh, we're, we're 24 hours away. You know, So much excitement about this matchup between the Pirates and the 13th-ranked Wolfpack. And um, now we're going to take a trip down memory lane on this debut episode. Um, very excited to have with us somebody that's a friend, but then also um, – the first quarterback to lead East Carolina to a victory over the Wolfpack back in 1971. Welcome in, John Kazaza. John, we appreciate your time this afternoon. I appreciate you having me, Bubba. Good seeing you. No doubt. I really um, look forward to this conversation and uh, also obviously look forward to that matchup on Saturday between the, the Wolfpack and the, the Pirates at 12 noon on ESPN at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. But, uh, you know, before we really dive into East Carolina, NC State, you know, just um, tell Pirate Nation about how you got to East Carolina, because I know you you came to Greenville from the Northeast. Yes, uh, I first went down to uh, Chowan Junior College and I was there a year and semester, just two football seasons. And uh, I believe we actually played East Carolina uh, back then when the freshmen couldn't play football. I played the freshman team and I had it. An outstanding game, and Jerry McGee was down there with the football team. And anyway, they wound, they wound up recruiting me, and uh, I played uh, in '70 and '71. Uh, uh, Mike McGee, of course, was '70, and uh, like I said, it was a uh, pretty embryonic era, a new era in football. Was a Stasevich went and took the AD job, and uh, so there wasn't a quarterback under the center in 16 years. The, single wing but uh anyway uh we put the multiply in and split back beer and uh you know you know the beer is tough enough uh a whole learning process and you need a lot of work on it but uh we did the best we could that first year we played state that's first year we ever played state and we had a ton of pirate fans in the uh, in the stands and uh <clears throat> both teams weren't very good uh and uh it, it was kind of one of them ugly football games, but uh, we lost. And uh, the next year, in 71, we, uh, we, were, we were much better. We found uh, the people that left that were in the Stasevich era, uh, we filled in with Jucos also, and we got much better in the veer and in, in, in the passing game and stuff. And uh, we executed very well that night. Our running backs, Billy Wallace, Les Strayhorn, the horn, and uh, Crumple got hurt early, and uh, Rusty St Scales came in and did some good stuff. And then Jack Patterson had a, a, a super game returning the football. He had about 140 yards, which which helped a whole lot. And uh, we just kept the ball, and uh, you know the Bear will do that. And uh, we wound up beating 31-15, and it was uh, an awesome win. It was my biggest win uh, in those two years. And uh, I think we got back two or three in the morning in Greenville and the place was packed. The police had the place blocked off and students were going crazy. We were hanging out the bus and uh, 
it, it was a super thing. And, and what it did is it, it started a rivalry that lasted <clears throat> for a while. And uh, where East Carolina had some good football games and, and State, unfortunately, probably beat us more through that period of time. But uh, anyway, uh, the 1971 game was probably uh, uh, the foundation for uh, what, what was to come at East Carolina football. Yeah, no doubt. And you talk about the rivalry. Obviously, it um, remains a rivalry, but at the same time, it's different now. The, the programs typically play every three years. That's been the trend over the last 12 to 15 years. You know, but uh, prior – Prior to uh, that, you know, going back to 1970s and 1987, there were 18 consecutive meetings with all of those coming at Carter-Finley Stadium. And uh, that was something that, uh, you know, kind of going down a different path here just from the perspective of the, of the rivalry is uh, having made those 18 consecutive trips to Raleigh, um, you know, East Carolina fans almost viewed it as a, a neutral side of of sorts, you know, from the standpoint of, hey, um, at least for the time being, that's going to be the way it was um, playing at Carter-Finley Stadium. You know, and then in that 87 game, um, the goalposts were torn down. Um, and it's easy to see the, the perspective, you know, from, from the East Carolina side of things after having made 18 straight trips to Carter-Finley. Well, that's true. And, you know, the whole thing about it, whether win or lose and playing away from home every football game, the average crowd was around 55,000. And there was a whole lot of purple and gold. So it was just amazing. And that's why it became such a rivalry. But the incident that occurred in, in 87 was a, a little crazy as students. And uh, there were some fights, uh, tore their goalposts down and uh, and all that. So put an end to it until the Peach Bowl. What's the Peach Bowl? I believe so. But yeah. That, yeah. That, 19, uh, 1991 yeah. season, obviously January 1st and 92. Right. Yeah. And uh, we came back in a tight end, made that great catch, and we wound up beating State. And uh, I guess that kind of initiated, you know, the, the, the next chapter in the backyard brawl thing, which, uh, which they called it in the book was published about that 1970 to 87 where it stopped uh, initially but uh, it was pretty much that and you bring up the the crowds I mean, obviously i think it was 46,000 as far as the capacity with the with the seating um, you know as far as bleachers but then you had the the large bank and uh, you know despite the capacity being listed there like i said in the mid 40s uh, you had crowds uh, well up into the 50,000s and I remember you know probably in the mid to late 90s looking at a, a top 10 attendance for the state of North Carolina for college football and something like seven or eight out of the 10 games was East Carolina NC State. Yes and and that's because of that the, the name itself backyard brawl it was such a rivalry and uh, you know the, the ECU fans they were they almost felt internally committed to, to be at that football game. No, no matter what, and and the atmosphere was was simply awesome. You were talking about behind that goalpost on the field, and there were just people that had you couldn't see the grass. You know, it was like that. So you know, it was a it was a big game, and you know, big game for ECU and a big game for State for all those years, regardless of them being in that conference. Where there was a lot of a lot of tough football teams. 
you know, that game specifically, uh, it actually started a, a three-game win streak toward the end of that uh, 1971 season. And, uh, you know, as you took a look at that matchup, like you said, it was two teams that were, um, you know, pretty hungry for, for a victory. And, you know, what are, what are your best memories of, of the atmosphere that night at Carter-Finley Stadium uh, before you had headed back east with the victory? Well, you know, that's kind of funny for me because the, the time I, I, I noticed the atmosphere is prior to, you know, in warm-ups and stuff. Once I play, it's just kind of, uh, you know, I, I tune that out and, and I'm, 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 I just get focused. I don't know if that's freaky, <laughs> but uh, I, I pretty much did that. But, yeah, initially, when I looked around, you, you know, you – Talk about being a little shaky and nervous and everything. It, it raised that. I don't know how much. The place was just packed. I had never played in that kind of atmosphere before. So it, it was it was something else. And uh, I'm just grateful that uh, we all had a, a darn good football game. Back then, um, you know, now you play 12 games. Um, back then, uh, your regular season was 10 games. And um, both of those first two matchups between East Carolina and NC State occurred in mid to late October. And so that's something that eventually changed. I'm not sure what year. I can't recall right off the top of my head uh, when uh, it began to be, you know, pretty much the season opener. You know, you had the much anticipated uh, in-state rivalry um, to open the year. Yeah, well, you know, like I told you earlier, it's, it's, it's probably good. You know, of course, we're in the same situation. Both teams are starting opening their first football game. And all you could hope for is let's not have any fumbles and intercept turnovers that are going to really hurt our football team. And by playing state, let's hope they do. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, going from opening game, you know, maybe we would have won more football games. Maybe we would have had an opportunity to win that first game if we played them in October, you know as opposed to the first football game. But uh, uh, I, I don't quite, maybe you do quite understand why they would change that, even though, you know, we're going to fill their place and, uh, and definitely our place is going to be packed. And I can't even believe what it might be like this Saturday. So. Yeah, the future of the series, um, kind of as you just referenced, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, like I've already mentioned, uh, pretty much every three years, uh, we after this year, we have 2025 in Raleigh, 2028 in Greenville, and I think those are the only two games currently on the book. So beyond uh, 2028, it'll be interesting to see what happens or uh, does not happen in this series. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully both sides can agree to extend the series and uh, play at least every three years, if not more frequently. Well, I, I can see that, and, and that's a good future. As long as we leave, uh, each of us leave, uh, both sides leave the goalposts alone, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, a lot of times, you know, you hear about the North Carolina-NC State rivalry, and uh, NC State certainly cannot stand uh, the Tar Heels, and that's, that's something that uh, most NC State and East Carolina fans do agree on. Uh, but yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. And you know, thinking back over the years, th this series, 
you know, certain things come to mind, obviously the Peach Bowl um, and the tremendous comeback there. But I think back to when I was six years old, that uh, 1987 game that we already referenced, I remember my dad, you know, leaning in, you know, when we were up a couple scores there late in the game, just saying, hey, uh, you know, be ready if I tell you to, to duck or, you know, be ready to get out of here because um, these folks in red are likely to start throwing stuff. <laughs> and uh, obviously 32 to 14 victories that night. And then you think about the 96 game where Scott Harley ran for a little over 350 yards, uh, 351, I believe, to be exact, down in uh, what was yeah. that stadium? That was spectacular. And then that 99 game, the first game in Greenville where David Garrard made um, – David Garrard, I don't think, was a, necessarily a huge talker, but uh, he did have some comments, uh, you know, reached the, the media in that one, or, I mean, whether made directly to the media or not, and he was talking about how they wanted to send uh, five and six NC State home for the holidays, you know, or where they were not going to become bowl eligible, I guess maybe five and five at the time. But uh, and David Garrard was able to back it up in a very run oriented game plan. Uh, he, he had a couple of long touchdown runs on options. Yeah, I do remember that football game. And you're talking about, you know, in the future and the years you were talking about that we're going to be playing. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, let's hope that that can create, you know, the situation and bring back that backyard brawl and this intensive rivalry, which, you know, I think, you know, I don't know so much about North Carolina State, but I know East Carolinas can certainly use that that rivalry and uh, open up in the beginning of the year. I don't know if that's going to be the same situation down the road. But if it is, uh, winning that opening, I mean, winning that football game initially against North Carolina State can certainly change your, your whole program and your season that, that year. So it can be big, and it, I need, it needs to come back. And uh, it, it's starting to ease back. This is this is initial game here where it certainly can help, uh, help that. And hopefully we can have an excellent football game. Yeah, we're, we, we've been hearing uh, for several months now, um, and I guess rightfully so, you know, with everything NC State returns on such high expectations and the possibility of having the best team in school history. Uh, you know, you think back to some of those Phillip Rivers teams, I think one in in uh, particular won 11 ball games and defeated Notre Dame. I think it was in the Gator Bowl, um, and the, the Wolfpack really – believe that they have a chance to win ACC and maybe even, um, you know, sneak into the college football playoff this year. Well, you know, again, the quarterback, I mean, they were even talking about, you know, Heisman initially, you know, throwing them in that top group or whatever. But when you got 10 out of 11 starters back on defense, uh, that's tough, you know, because defense wins championships. You know, you heard that before. Yeah, hey, as you – no doubt. Uh, sorry, I had some lag there. But uh, as you've seen in recent years under veteran O-line coach Steve Shankweiler and as more talent has been brought into the program, um, the offensive line has steadily improved and uh, they'll certainly have their what work, excuse me, cut out for them uh, on Saturday afternoon against a very talented um, front for NC State. And uh, they're saying the, the linebacker core may be as good as any in the country. It'll be a challenge, and you know, and you know, and every game's a challenge. 
You know, it's it's no different than if you were playing. I don't I don't I don't care. But it's 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 a challenge. You play hard, and you go every every snap, and you do the best you possibly can. And uh, if they're that much better all around, then they are. But uh, we got to play hard, like I said. And the biggest thing is 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 no mistakes. You know, fumbles and turnovers in serious uh, position on the football field, and those kind of things. And a clean game is going to help us. There's no doubt. But it's going to be tough. But boy, it would be a big victory. Hey, John, take us back um, prior to those 1970 and 71 matchups. And we talked about the atmosphere at the game, but, you know, leading into the game in the, the weeks and months, once you knew those games were going to be played, you know, talk about what it was like around campus and, you know, how Coach McGee and also Coach Coach Randall, how they handled, the, you know, the practices and so forth leading into that uh, much-anticipated matchup. Well, you know, we, we we were pretty specific on our practices. Now, when you when when you're you're trying to deal with you know a particular team, you know we were we probably spent more time with McGee on fundamentals and things like that than you normally would with a football team because of the transition. You know, the preparation part. Uh, you know, we 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 always come into the ball game and particularly them about we need to run the beer. And we need to read it and run it well and block it well so we can keep the football. And, you know, that was a philosophy when we entered into the ball game. And uh, we certainly did that. You know, I thought we did. And I thought we did a great job. I, I threw one touchdown pass. I'm Carl Gordon. Uh, may he rest in peace. He an air balloon accident many, many years ago. But anyway, uh, he, he caught that pass. But, it, you know, like I said, we ran the ball. You know, we just threw a few just to keep them balanced. So uh, our philosophy coming in that game was uh, beer them to death. <laughs> that was it. You mentioned the name Carlos or Crumpler, obviously talking about Crump Senior, um, you know, a six four, six five running back, and uh, he was really recruited by everyone. Uh, you, know, you heard stories, you know, whether it's USC, you know, who had so many tremendous running backs. And during that era, and um, you know, and beyond that, so just just talk about uh, what what Crump was like as as a running back in those uh, early seventies seasons. Well, it's funny, uh, like you said, he probably had opportunities uh, to to go a lot of places because of his speed and his physical size, which is you know two great things for a running back. And he was that big we were talking about, but. When he came to East Carolina, he came with his high school football coach and his high school trainer, Ronnie Barnes. So all three of them came down there together. I don't know if that had something to do with getting him there. <laughs> but uh, he certainly coach, was talented. Coach Henry Trevathan, right? Coach Henry Trevathan. He was uh, at Wilson Fike. That's where Crumper played, and that's where Ronnie Barnes was. Ronnie was a little kid. You know, he, he became our – assistant kind of trainer, you know, that kind of thing. And now look at him, you know, he was just inducted into the hall of fame and everything and retiring, uh, I don't know, the hall of fame of the giants and everything else. So uh, that's amazing little story right there in itself. But uh, Crumper, I didn't, you know, I really didn't get to play with him a whole lot. You know, my, my junior year, uh, my senior year is about, about when I played with Crump. And like I said, he was just super talented. 
if if you gave him a little bit of grass, I mean, he 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 could be gone. Uh, his stride was unbelievable. But we had two good running backs, and they, we switched him then. He and and he was a sophomore my senior year, and he switched up with Strayhorn, which both were super talented running backs. Strayhorn played I don't know four years or so or five in the NFL, and uh, Crump went there for a couple of years. So uh, anyway, uh, they were super talented, and it's hard to believe that I even had the opportunity to play with those kind of guys. And we mentioned that name. Henry Trevathan, um, Coach Trevathan, obviously, as you just mentioned, spent those years at East Carolina. And then um, later on, you know, he, he was actually on the Peach Bowl staff on Dick Sheridan's staff. A uh, little nugget there for our viewers and, and listeners about Coach Trevathan, you know, who's so well-known and just really a legend in the state of North Carolina in the coaching ranks. Uh, in the sport of football, and then you know his son has spent several years now. I believe he may still be on staff uh, for Dave Dorn in a off the field administrative role. Yeah, I I love Coach Trevathan. He was a super guy, you know. And and back when he first rolled in there, uh, they he had a really the the uh, freshman team. He was over the top of them, but he was also. Uh, uh, coaching varsity football positions also, but he was just a super guy. He, he motivated you, but he, he had a great heart and, uh, and, you know, you just learned to love him. He was one of them kind of guys, you know, he put his arm around you and, and I, I just love him to death. Yeah. I had the opportunity, very blessed to be able to meet coach Trevathan back in December of 2018 when we had our uh, 40th anniversary party, um, a live podcast at professor A. Cools as it was then in uh, Greenville, right there in the Big Lot Shopping Center behind Logan's Roadhouse. Right. And, uh, that, that, was a, that was a lot of fun uh, getting to uh, meet Coach Trevathan. You know, uh, I, I'm trying to remember that, and that, of course, was nearly four years ago now, but uh, he was in, I don't know, I want to say 91, 92, uh, yeah. something, like that, something like that at the time, but you would have never known it. Uh, uh, I believe he still had a farm in the Wilson area. And yeah, uh, I heard that. Seem much younger than uh, than his age. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know, of course, I see him at the Letterman's uh, weekend under the tent and stuff and everything. And it's just amazing when I hear how, how old he was, and you know, and him just talk to him and everything, and, and being very cognitive and everything. You know, I mean, he, he, and hopefully that'll go on for uh, many more years. I love the guy, and uh, I was blessed to be able. To play for him. So, John, um, you know, in your years um, since leaving East Carolina, just talk about, I know you had the opportunity to have an excellent coaching career, uh, multiple sports, including football at High Point Andrews. And um, you talk about that experience and the way you had to have the opportunity, rather, to, to impact young people. Yes, I, I, and I was so glad that I, uh, I I was a teacher, coach, and athletic director for 32 years, actually for about 38, but 32 at Andrews. Uh, uh, it wasn't a job, you know, you, you, you're trying to help kids, you're trying to build character, uh, even save some in situations. Uh, teachers are able to come to you and then you can help them academically. Uh, just love my job. And uh, Andrews, when I got there, it, you know, it was a great school. Uh, demography was super. The kids were super. We had great athletes. 
Uh, after in 75 and in 76, the next season we won the 4A state championship and kind of established a tough program at Andrews year, year in and year out. Uh, and we won a few more state championships. Uh, but the biggest thing was actually when I first got there in 75, I got hired as a football coach and uh, they said, by the way, you got to coach tennis. Uh, I said, tennis? I was from a place in central Jersey, pretty tough place. I never seen a tennis court in my life. But uh, they had concrete tennis courts with chain link nets and had basketball courts on it because it was it was run by the park system or something. It was on in our back of uh, our campus. But anyway, they were a terrible team, and I committed myself. Uh, you know, I told about all the years I coached football and success and worked hard. The biggest thing I'm proud of is what I've done with a tennis program that was 0-18, 0-18. You know, wooden racket era, that's when we started. Uh, I took lessons, you know, pretty good athlete. And I fell in love with the game and then I worked kids, took you know, different hours during the summer, even two at a time, and I really worked hard at it and turned the program around. We were five or six state championships. So uh, it was a big deal. Got rid of the chain link nets and got, you know, got a mask vaulted, painted, and this <laughs> kind of thing. So, uh, very proud of that, but of course, football and, and the guys and the young 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 men that uh, I hear from today, uh, and uh, and they're doing well. And the things they say about me sometimes brings tears to my eyes. Uh, but uh, but but it's all worth it. And golly, uh, it, it wasn't a job, if you know what I mean. And one of the crazy things, kind of a crazy story, just you know. Uh, I certainly knew of you, uh, quarterback in the Pirates, and then um, you know your son Joey at Ragsdale. I back then I didn't realize um, you know your your uh, time in high point injuries. Yeah, well, I I actually went over there for three years to to, to coach at Ragsdale and my son, but I was still at High Point Andrews. Oh well. Wow. Yeah, and it was right down the road from High Point Andrews. It's like you know. Right. Miles. So the principal allowed me to do that and gave me, you know, fourth period planning. <laughs> and uh, I was able to do that. And uh, and my second year there, we we got beaten the state championship by a super loaded Hickory team, but got to the state championship. So uh, right. Not that. No, not not at all. Uh, but you know, kind of a final thing for you here as we uh, start to wrap this up. You know, taking a look at the 2022 Pirates, uh, you talked about uh, the improvement made, and I, I referenced uh, the improvement on the offensive line in particular. And it, you know, how do you see this 2022 season playing out? And last year, the Pirates were seven and five. Unfortunately, didn't get to play the bowl game against Boston College up in Annapolis. But uh, this year, um, really high expectations, expecting to, um, you know definitely uh, get back to a bowl and hopefully be a contender in the American. Well, I certainly do love their head football coach. He's a super guy. And uh, offensive line, you, the improvement, I mean, how significant is that? That's super significant. And that's one of the places that, you know, people talk about other skilled positions and stuff. But, you know, if we open up the holes and uh, we give them time, <laughs> you know, it makes all the world difference. So hopefully this season – we can get a good start with this football game and 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 build as it goes along, and uh, uh, I'm hoping for some great things and a, and a, and a Super Bowl game. Yeah, I think Saturday will, um, you know, as 
we're recording this um, for full disclosure on Wednesday afternoon. We'll drop uh, at noon on on Friday, uh, twenty hours from kickoff between the Pirates and Wolfpack. It, um, as of a day or two ago, two thousand tickets were remaining, and I think those will be, you know, gobbled up between now and kickoff at noon on Saturday. Oh, it'll be but, uh, Yeah, it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere, the best atmosphere in at least six years, if not if not more, uh, you know, going back to when East Carolina defeated NC State in 2016. You know, but before we get out of here, um, I meant to throw this up a little bit earlier, but uh, I have a blast from the past for you as well as our viewers. Uh, you know, I know you have fond memories uh, of these pictures. Yes, I do. And look at that hair. <laughs> it's, it's amazing uh and that scoreboard it, it it just tells it all how exciting it was uh it was a a super victory and uh, it'll stick with me forever no doubt um love taking trips like this down memory lane and hear, hearing uh, east carolina letter winners all about the history and you know landmark victories you know when a lot of folks um did not think that east carolina would be able to compete on such a stage and you know where the program went after that under under coach die coach emory etc all the way up through the 90s with coach logan and beyond but uh john really appreciate your time this afternoon uh really look forward to catching up with you this this weekend in greenville uh as the pirates and Wolfpack do battle once again on the gridiron Sounds good, and looking forward to seeing you, and uh, save me a parking spot. <laughs> Will do. Pirate Nation, that is former East Carolina quarterback and the first to defeat the NC State Wolfpack back in 1971, John Casaza. We appreciate everyone tuning in to A Pirate's Life for me in this debut episode right here on the Sports Objective. And, um, you know, have a great weekend, everyone. And as always, go Pirates. Watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates.